Welcome everyone to the Pog State. This is the official podcast for the global LCK broadcast. It has finally happened. I'm Atlas. This is LS. And uh, dude, how, how have you been? It's been a long off season. Do you go on <coughs> holidays? Uh, you did some Twitch rivaling, if I remember. I did some. Uh, I did Twitch rivals, but I've mostly I, I've been working like I don't even know how much every week because I'm doing the co-streaming for LCS Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday mm-hmm. in Korean, uh, and it really messes with my sleep schedule. And I'm getting ready for LCK next week, so my my schedule every week is going to be six days a week. <laughs> and then uh, I'm also gonna stream, so I'm gonna—I I don't even know how much I'm gonna be working every month, but it's gonna—it's gonna be something. It's gonna be like 300 hours. And now you get to attend the Pog, Pog State yeah. once every two weeks, you know, which is uh, which is super exciting. We're really excited to bring you this. I do have, uh, unfortunately, a brief disclaimer that mm-hmm. I've been asked to read out. So I'm sorry for taking up your time, guys. Uh, this shouldn't be too long. Uh, so. <clears throat> uh, Things said on this podcast are our own opinions and musings, and we will say weird stuff, go off topic, cause controversy, drive our producer crazy, and otherwise be a nuisance. This is an unfinished product due to our team overly enjoying their off-season break, and we therefore don't have our set completed, music done, any guests in uh, this time. Uh, This is my mic arm that I brought from home. Uh, This logo isn't the right one. We don't have a Twitter or anywhere for you to send your feedback yet. Uh, And I'm wearing my own t-shirt. So, uh, yeah, disclaimer out of the way. Let's do this. Firstly, I want to start off by talking about, like, what is the Pog State? Because you, you might be looking at this, seeing Pog State written at the top and being like, what the heck is that garbage? This is an LCK podcast. Keep it professional. I promise you, we won't keep it professional. LS, you came up with this. Um, this is derived from the Lull State. Mm-hmm. So maybe explain what the Lull State is. So Close. actually, a, a lot of people think the lull state is like the Twitch emote lull, but it actually just means lullaby, like the sleep. Yeah, the the sleep state. But a lot mm-hmm. of people confuse it with the Twitch emote lull. Should we change it to the sleep state? I don't even <laughs> I don't even know. But so um, the lull state was obviously the, the 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 phase in LCK where teams are just ping ponging side lanes for mm-hmm. about ten fifteen minutes and nothing ends up happening. So the time where we get to talk about where we get to talk about the important stuff, which Mm -hmm. is Pokemon and things unrelated to League of Legends, Biker Mice from Mars, right? Yeah, Street Shots before they interrupt us with a team fight. I know it's frustrating. Yeah, it's it's really tragic. So, (laughs) um, and then whenever a lot of action's happening, that's the Pog state. Yeah, that's when we we get everything. And by action, I mean us talking about (laughs) not not relating. The lull state directly correlates to the pog state happening because we don't have to talk about the game anymore. Is that what we're talking about? Exactly. It's beautiful. It's all it's all like it's in it's layers. When the lull state starts, the pog state starts. (laughs) You know, they're directly parallel. And so therefore what we've done is we've just taken away the lull state entirely. Exactly. And it's just... We overlap it. That's what this show is. This the show important is things. 100% the pog state. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, so a podcast, guys, has been something that our old friend, Papa Smithy, who's now gone to be general manager of 100 Thieves, we wish him well, but we miss him dearly. Uh, he was fighting for this for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is sort of finally coming. As soon as Papa leaves, that's <laughs> when we're like, all right, 
It's time to do the po- it's time to do the podcast. Let's go. So um, I do I do need to say thanks. Uh, it was largely to do with uh, him constantly asking mm-hmm. to do more content, and I'm glad that we finally have. And I'm sorry to Papa that he he isn't here to enjoy it. Um, but what we're going to try and do on this show is, of course, we're going to talk about the LCK. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about League of Legends. That's what this uh, sort of. I guess pilot episode is mostly going to be about because there's a lot of preseason changes to talk about. There's a lot of things uh, that happened in the Casper Cup that we need to refresh people on and talk about, you know, the LCK teams moving into spring 2020, which is going to be starting very soon. Mm -hmm. We're going to be covering lots of different stuff. You know, we're going to be talking about Korea, what it is being a commentator in Korea, what it is being a foreigner in Korea, what Korean food is like. I'm hoping to get at least one or seven mukbang episodes um one or seven it's in between there seven. nice well not it's w- between one or seven okay, okay? it's don't specify spe- spe- right. stuff that i'm saying okay all right sure nailed that word <laughs> yeah you really did it. that was good <laughs> um so yeah this this episode is going to be mostly about league but we will you know deviate mm-hmm. do some other stuff it's basically whatever we want to talk about mm-hmm. They've given us the reins and we'll try our best not to talk about 90s TV shows mm-hmm. too much. I also want to say that, guys, we are currently in uh, one of the beautiful player rooms here at LOL Park. This is not, of course, the set that we're going to be usually using um, because that hasn't been built yet. Um, but if you guys uh, want to see any more of LOL Park, there are a lot of really cool places in here and we can shoot this show. Now that we don't have a set, we have been unlocked. We can go anywhere inside Lowell Park mm-hmm. and not inside the PC barn because it might be too loud. Um, but otherwise, we can be anywhere. We can build what a cafe. We could be like the player hall of fame if we want to. With all those like 3D image printed players and stuff, which is like super cool. Uh, we could just be like chilling in the arena if we want to, mm-hmm. which might seem a little bit like we're just on the LCK. That's uh, fine. Official broadcast. But I guess this is basically what we do. Anyway, so that'd be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could be in the bathroom if you guys want us to. Like, the sky's the limit. Makeup room, you know, lighting in the makeup room is pretty nice. Okay. So, like, it if, is you guys, if you guys want that, you can uh, you can ask for that. So, anywhere that you want to see inside Lowell Park, we can shoot this show. So, let us know via Twitter. I'm at Atlas TV. You're at LS. XYZ9. XYZ9. Yeah. Can you change that? Nope. The, uh, the 9 is for September. All right. That's, that's- so... Let's get into what we're going to be talking about on today's show. We're going to talk about the preseason changes. I'm going to get your opinion on what you think League of Legends is. But uh, let's go jump into a spiel of what has changed. I'll try and be as fast as possible because I know a lot of you have uh, watched a million of these. Mm -hmm. And you've heard about the preseason changes a lot before. But I feel like we have to do a brief rundown. And then uh, we can get LS's uh, exact thoughts. So let's uh, try and be as fast as possible, shall we? So the Elemental Rift is now upon us. You've got uh, Fire. That's going to kill Terrain. This is going to be after every second Drake each game. All of the Drakes preceding that will be... Sorry, preceding? After that? Preceding? Good God, we got to cut this from the video. (laughs) All right. All right, so the Elemental Rift is upon us. After the second Drake goes down each game, all subsequent Drakes will be of one element. 
and the rift will change. Fire will destroy terrain. Water is going to plant brushes everywhere. Cloud creates little speed boosts around the buffs, which is cool. Mountain builds terrain, which can be annoying, but is great if you're playing Poppy. Um, there are new brushes in the game and uh, also the alcoves, which are super annoying if you guys have been playing League. Uh, and also the drakes are going to be changed slightly. Infernal does the same thing, but worse. Mountain gives you armor and MR now and doesn't allow you to kill minions and turrets and stuff yeah. faster, which is, I think, a great change. Cloud is going to add ultimate cooldown, ocean, health and mana regen, and we now get the dragon soul. If you have four dragons, I repeat, four dragons, the uh, last dragon that you've got will give you a dragon soul of that particular drake. Infernal, AoE damage, three second cooldown, scaling with health, AP and AD, and does adaptive damage. Ocean, Lifesteal, Mana Drain on hit. Mountain, Shield that resets out of combat. Cloud, Movement Speed plus 30% Movement Speed for 6 seconds after pressing your R button. You now get two Shellies, which is cool. Double Rift Heralds. The second one you won't be able to get plates with, but still will help you smack down dim turrets. And uh, Jungle, Catch-Up Experience has been removed. We are mm -hmm. no longer going to be talking about rubber bands on the LCK broadcast, which I am very upset about. And look, let's be honest, most junglers are upset about this one as well. Uh, there are new items that have been added into the game. Sanguine Blade and Umbral Glaive. Umbral Glaive, the most annoying item ever if you're a Nocturne main who likes talking about his passive. Because Umbra Blades and Umbral Glaive, oh my god, blows my mind. Very, very frustrating indeed. Edge of Night is now Banshee's Veil, but AD. Uh, Spear of Sojin is dead. Goodbye. Uh, support items no longer need to be upgraded. Mm -hmm. um, just just chill, complete some quests, and you get that item again. That's cool. Goodbye, Kleptomancy. So Noggery just hard nerfed in the mm -hmm. preseason, which is a little bit sad. Hello, Omnistone. That's a cool new one that is going to come in. Uh, just gives you a random keystone. Mm -hmm. uh, more likely to get... It feels like you get Predator all the time if you're just walking around, which I think is cool because moving fast is fun. Um, and Conqueror no longer has true damage, so maybe we're going to be seeing a few more of them tanks. And already, if you guys have been watching the LEC or LCS or the first week of the LPL, you'll see that uh, there has been a few more of those. Uh, we now have Aphelios set and center in the game from uh, last year, if you mm -hmm. haven't watched since Worlds, which uh, I think is a little bit ridiculous. But yeah, that is going to be the end of all of the changes. Now, this is what we really need to talk about. It's LS's opinion on what these changes mean. I know you guys have been waiting. You, your fingers are trembling over your keyboards, ready to get upset about this guy's opinion. You've probably heard it already on his stream, but now we have an official avenue for mm -hmm. you to share your rage at LS's opinion. So, shoot. Which topic first? Oh, I just, I, any part of it. I Great. just, just want to hear. So let's talk, let's talk about the dragons first. Okay, What's your opinion? They all suck. They're all we're, really we're, bad. We're into it already. Oh, this is. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're all really they're really. Can I swear? Yeah. Okay. They're all really <laughs> bad. <laughs> they're really bad. The 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 armor is pitiful in in most cases because the scales of bonus armor and MR right. Well, it, well it, it's six percent. So in yeah. in most cases you get less than half of a cloth armor early on, and you can sometimes just get one MR. And it's not it's not bonus. It's so it's total. That was it's stupid. really terrible. It, it 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 you feel bad taking it. So that that's one of the things going on. The cloud dragon is interesting. There there's going to be some team compositions where the champions 
have a reliance on their ultimate and they're looking to cast it off cooldown. And obviously, since you don't get CDR until later stages of the game, it can end up being a, a pretty valuable dragon. Um, Ocean ended up getting nerfed, I think, twice since it originally mm. debuted. Originally, it was broken and then it was good, and now it's now it's in the dumpster. Now we now it's we don't joined the about, rest of the drinks. We're not yeah, we're not talking about that one. And then there's Infernal Dragon, which is now four percent. So. Once you end up getting three of them, if you manage to do that, it's about as good as Infernal used to be. So <laughs> that's the real, that's, you got to keep your eye on the prize there. Now, the only, the only thing that's really impactful is the, the souls. And Cloud Dragon, I think, has the potential to be really good in pro play, but it depends on the team composition again. And then Ocean and Infernal tend to be the best. And then in certain situations mountain soul it gives you the shield and then obviously you have the resistances that it's granting you so in the end stage when you have the mountain soul it can be good against sinner compositions like team compositions that have to dive you all in you have assassins etc it can really provide just the amount of added durability that almost ends up entirely negating them but as as standalone dragons they're all garbage all right, they're, they're all they're all. Just so the drakes suck, but you still have to kill four of them. You still have to kill four of them, which means that you can give up. So I, I I've tweeted about this a few times, where if you if you capture Drake one, you can intentionally give up Drake two, and then you can get three, four, five. Mm-hmm. So that it really amplifies whatever soul that you're trying to go into. Alternatively, you can give up Dragon one, give up Dragon two in favor of economy or experience by either freezing lanes or. Uh, prioritizing the gold gained by minions that teams might potentially miss out on if they rotate for dragon, um, which is going to be a, a, a pretty weird variable to consider. But then you can get one, two, three, four if your team comes online and mid game, uh, mid game forward. Mm-hmm. And obviously, that's a little bit more of a gamble. But I mean, we're, we're talking about professional play, and as someone that comes from StarCraft and something like walking thin lines isn't something that uh, I'm, I'm opposed to or think shouldn't be chased after so dragons in their current state are really lackluster souls are souls are really all that it is and then elder dragon is elder dragon's broken elder elder dragon's the strongest objective in the entire game Plus looks amazing it, it looks, looks really dragon cool. swoopy yeah oh the swoopy murder so good the drake the dragon's really really good uh it's way better than baron um if you if you can manage to lose a fight with elder dragon i mean I, I, it's truly impressive. So <laughs> I don't, I don't know uh, what more to say about that. But I mean, that that, that that's my take on the dragons. All right. So uh, I guess we could talk about the jungle now because yep. I think this is a this is a, a huge one. I think this is going to be what shakes up what happens in pro play a lot more. We've already seen some examples on it. But uh, what's your take? Do you think that now it's more important to have early game junglers, or do you think that junglers can? mow through the jungle junglers that can mow through the jungle really quickly are going to be better because the respawn time is uh shorter so um it it, it's it's a compound answer and question in itself so when laners are really bad and don't know how to play their own lanes um junglers being aggressive like elise or lee sin or olaf and and things like this they tend to be really strong but the second that you start having strong individual laners or you have laners that are actually competent and can use their brain with wave manipulation and whatnot, um, those aggressive junglers become a lot more coin flippy. And without rubber band XP and ketchup XP, etc. cetera, e- existing anymore, um, power farmers like Karthus and like Shivana 
um, currently, at least in, in solo queue, they're really strong in level lead stick because shared mm. XP is more punishing and because it's that much harder to come by uh, jungle camps now, obviously. So if you're a power farmer and your laners are actually competent and competitive and you just keep power farming and your laners play around you, they, they, they manipulate their lane states relative to your path and they play with you, then jungle is still completely fine and certain jungle picks are just going to outshine others. However, uh, you know, LCS, LEC, LCK, I have no doubt that we're, we're going to see uh, awful lane control by laners and junglers like Olaf, Lisa, and Elise, etc. flourishing. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> you know? So... Just, I'm already terrified for I, the yeah, early game I, I jungle picks. I'm just, <laughs> I'm not ready. I think I'm more scared of those <clears throat> than I am of uh, Morella Nomicon being uh, being picked up. I, we do need to have a Morella Nomicon Morello update. How- might become good. Soraka is uh, she's picking up a lot of steam in mid top and AD. Uh huh. I've actually I've been abused by some uh, top Sorakas recently. It's yeah. really frustrating. It's good. You know, it, it's really cool. Yeah. And also, Orn's getting really popular. He so is. all the all the picks I've been going off about for months, they're finally making their way into the meta. Is that because people think that like now without the true damage on Conqueror, it's think. safer? That's why. Or it's just someone picked it in some region and won, and so now we're picking it. I I, I don't know. I mean, people still pick Tom Kench. So if you want to, you know, if you want to fail a Turing test, you don't have to look too far. Yeah, that's true. I, I guess we can have a, a slight update on uh, the bottom side of the map. You mentioned uh, Sir Thomas, or I guess. Timothy Kench. Yeah, Tim. He's Timoth- not. Yeah, Timothy yeah. Kenshins. Yeah. Yeah, he has been demoted. His knighthood has yeah, been Tim, removed. I, I named him Tim after Nemesis, you know? <laughs> so I, I thought that if I'm going to compare him to something to bat that's bad, should probably do that, Whoa. you know? This is the first pro player that's copped it so far on the Pog State. <laughs> uh, congratulations, Nemesis. This is uh, You can write this down uh, in your diary. Today was a great day. <laughs> yeah. I was uh, the first one insulted on the podcast. So congratulations. Um yeah, I want to talk about the the eighty carries though, because with Aphelios being re- released now, we've yeah. seen him, you know, pop off and be underwhelming in in the same games. Misfortune has somehow risen to gigantic popularity as well. Uh, what's your take on uh, things that are happening down there? Because last, the, time, if if you watched at Worlds, it was like a whole bunch of Kaiser and Zaya, and that was like it. Yeah, so Kaiser and Zaya both got hit. Uh, shortly after Worlds, I believe, uh, ever so slightly. And then Misfortune started picking up steam. And, and this is one of my main gripes with Riot, is Misfortune is now suddenly S-plus tier. It's mostly her, Philios, and Senna, as mm-hmm. it currently stands. And then as of uh, the time of filming this, in 10.3, she's I, I think she's slated to get nerfed. And obviously, Aphelios has been nerfed a couple of times, um, and Senna is also slated to get nerfed. And it, it's just really sad uh, I, I've been very vocal about it in all of my patch rundowns that rather than buffing champions that are underperforming, they just keep knocking everything down over and over and over repeatedly. And a lot of people talk about power creep and, and things of this nature, but much like champions like Victor or even even champions like Zoe and Orianna, which are having resurgences, these these champions come back when everything is just awful. <laughs> and it, 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 it's because when, when everything's awful and everyone sucks, then suddenly things that not, not necessarily suck less, but just are, standard, are very, like standards, yeah, very, right? very yeah. standard, very well-rounded 
um, and have abilities to just do lots or a, a lot more things. They, they have more gears available to them. They tend to eventually shift into the meta until a meta shaper ends up coming in and, and changing everything around them. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I'm really sad to see the nerfs that are going to come out in 10.3. There's obviously a lot more going on. The AD carry meta right now is just a dumpster fire. Caitlyn also got bug fixed. Um, she had something going on that allowed her to basically get more damage out. Uh-huh. And then she was bug fixed. Uh, AD carries also got hit with the crit cloak change. Mm. And so there, there's just lots of... I, I'm not a big fan of nerfs. I, I, really, I can tell. I really yeah. hate nerfs. Yeah. <laughs> I would rather everything be more exciting and, and flashy. Yeah. Then um so buff everything else instead of nerfing the problem champion. That's always been my my philosophy, yeah. yeah beautiful. I love power creep. I mean, too. I come from games where that that's the case. I come from StarCraft where yeah. imbalance is fought with imbalance. Yep. And it's who utilizes the imbalance better. So obviously sometimes it can be a tightrope. And then um Super Smash Brothers melee, you know, I'm a huge fan of it where that's imbalance techniques and things that weren't intended. Yep. Ends up actually balancing and shaping the game. So also, um, I, I think that it's hard to um, to compare those sorts of games just because the two-week patch cycle means that a yeah, meta is never, it's never solved in League of Legends, really. Well, Riot's been really slow with their changes, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I, I remember, uh, I can't remember what summer it was. Uh, maybe it was the summer of 2018. I, I really wanted to quit the game because it, it just felt awful. It was insufferable. Mm-hmm. Because when you, when you play in Korean solo queue, not only do you deal with um, the, 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 the meta being very stale and stagnant because everyone, doesn't matter what MMR you are, you can be, you can be bronze, silver, gold, etc. Everyone's always playing meta picks. Yeah. So the meta, the bands, the picks, they, they shape up whatever is a reflection of the LCK and it gets very stale and very boring. And then you have people that get angry if you try to deviate from it unless you end up getting really high MMR. Yep. then maybe it's a little bit respectable. But um, it, it's it's very frustrating when metas get extremely stale and no meta shapers end up coming in, and it really takes something special to sort of mix it up. Yeah, like Maybe I, we'll get that with Soraka, and then I already know that Riot's going Riot's gonna to hit her with something <laughs> within a week. The, the really pathetic thing about this is that she's existed in her current state for so long. Yeah, no, I think nothing, the same thing was changed. true for Misfortune, right? this speaks volumes to the incompetence of teams and mm. also players to not do due diligence, to actually look for things that are not the current meta. And then as a byproduct of this, you end up having champions like Tom Kench and Braum end up getting nerfed because pro players and their staff aren't doing their jobs to yeah. actually think critically and be like, hmm, well... Maybe, maybe actually p- teams shouldn't be able to blind pick these champions. Maybe they actually should be put in a wheelchair because of how bad they are when, are, when they're blinded. And all that it requires is them to play better. But yeah. the problem is, is that they, they like the forgiveness of a lot of these champions. They, they don't want to, I, I don't even know, they, I guess they don't want to be asked to, to have to put in more effort in order to pilot a laning phase or pilot different stages of the game in order to reap the benefits of, of a larger return. For instance, mage supports are objectively all better than the tank supports in mm. most cases. Nine out, of, nine out of ten cases, mage supports don't slow down. They keep getting mage items, they keep getting more utility items, and they, they get keep more doing more damage. Yeah. Whereas uh, a tank support, I mean, if you 
and you slap a, a stone plate on it and a knight's vow, it's done. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's the same champion, rest of the game. That, that's literally not that being said. Gaga's stone plate on like those tank champions is Leona's really super good. Broken. Leona's really good. But then other tank supports like Zach, they're not even being picked. I mean, yeah. we actually in uh, Twitch Rivals there was a there was a challenger jungler metaphor. He was actually playing Zach support, and it's really gross. <laughs> and the, the the passive having Guardian Angel on passive, having a champion that has built in sustain and healing and that much CC and everything, who can actually keep ramping up due to the nature of his kit with more tank items, yep. which is different than a champion like Nautilus, different than a champion like Brom, different than a champion like Tom, and no one will pick it. And, and then, also, also, you can sacrifice Zach and then get all of your teleports into the bottom lane super easily without any issues as well. Yeah, you of can, you can like, lock up a lot of stuff. And ha yeah, yeah th th there's so many interesting things. And it, it, it's just pro players refuse to, to gravitate from the norm. And I remember when I was, um, when I was coaching in Challenger Series in, in Korea and in BBQ, we always got... Uh, I, I would come backstage here at LCK and some people would ask me about the picks that BBQ mm -hmm. would uh, end up drafting. And it's like, of course you dra you can draft like this. Of course you can pick these champions. And it, it, it's like they, 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 um, they'll, they'll look at champions and if they lose a game, they'll credit it to something that isn't really that problematic. They'll come up with reasons or excuses that the game was lost. And then if you're not ever identifying that there's a fundamental flaw that might be present, whether inside of team compositions, champion play style, etc., then you're constantly looking for a cure that doesn't exist. And even if, sure, you could have played better in some ways and won the game, it doesn't change the fact that you're sabotaging yourself out of the gate. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's a little bit of a worry. I think that, like, my personal take is that Innovation is scary when you get to this level of competition. Yeah. You know? Because if you tell your top laner that he should play a thousand games on Volley Bear during the off season or something like that, so you've got like a Volley Bear counterpick. I don't know whether Ixu did this, but I mean, he did win with Volley Bear in order to get yeah. uh, the team into <clears throat> the league. Um, I don't know whether that's a worthwhile investment in the mind of a coach. Who's like I could I could tell him to do this, or he could be a better you know meta pick player. When obviously the other teams are going to scout, they're going to ban this champion that my player has put in all of his time into, and then he's just going to be a worse version of the opposition laner. You know, like I can see why teams would shy away from innovation, but if you're just playing solo queue, be the one trick. Be the one trick of the, the the champion that no one's been playing because I think that's how you win League of Legends consistently. Yeah, I mean, the, the other thing is that they, they can't ban everything out, yeah. right? There, there's going to be a limited amount of bans. <clears throat> and then also uh, the difference between players is often in the players and not in the champions themselves. There, there's a major difference regardless of what's going to happen if Keen or Summit or Nuggery are playing as opposed to a middle of the pack or bottom tier top laner. You, you're not going to really tell the difference between an Atrox there. Yeah. You're not going to really tell the difference between a Fiora. The, and and, and it, it doesn't have to do with the champion. There's, there's a limited amount of instances where subtle things can happen that really comes down to champion experience inside of that competitive environment yeah. or at that level of play. And so it, it, it's really weird when 
you can look at uh, across the board at so many other instances where lesser skilled players are able to just go even with some of the most elite players inside of leagues, LEC, LCS, LCK, etc. And yet people don't look to maybe think that, well, maybe there's different areas where we could end up securing advantages or edges. And yet in the same light, when you look at certain tournaments where special picks end up coming out, like Heimerdinger, yeah. historically, you can you can have players commit enough time to certain champions and then it ends up drawing bans. And sure, it doesn't actually take that long to get competent at some champs. And so the fact that people are... The, it, it, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It, it, it. It's just outside of a few players and few teams, no one wants to gravitate from the norm. And yet we have so many living, breathing examples that clearly stuff has existed for long times. And it's just that people don't want to get out of their own way. And they use any sort of confirmation bias or cognitive dissonance to suggest that, well, it just can't exist. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of my favorite players throughout history have been the ones that are ready to pick the weird stuff. I think I take Spirit, for example, like... He brings out his poppy jungle at Kesper Cup and just starts smacking people with it, you know? And it was uh, it was a huge success. And he was the one that popularized Lulu jungle back in the day. Like, he's often the player that's more than happy. And I think that, like you were talking about, that has a lot to do with bring the player, not the, not the champion. Because Spirit is one of those players that's able to adapt and then utilize his really broad knowledge of League of Legends yeah. just as a game instead of having to put in, you know, thousands of hours in order to master a champion and, and get all of that, uh, that muscle memory. I think it's really yeah. interesting. I think we do, though, need to move on because we've got some, uh, some LCK-related stuff to talk about, mm-hmm. and that is namely in what happened during the offseason. We did have Casper Cup. If you guys were there with us for Christmas, thank you very much for hanging out. Um, but if you missed the Casper Cup, it was full of some crazy upsets. Some really weird stuff happened, you know? The, the whole preliminary part of the tournament where it's a lot of LCK teams going up against either challenger teams or KEG squads, you know, that went as foreseen. You know, we didn't have too many uh, dropouts apart from, you know, uh, let, let me go back and uh, have a look. There was one. APK Prince got knocked out in the first round by uh, Breon Blade. Yep. But that was understandable because APK Prince are the the squad that only just promoted yeah. into the LCK and looked like they were sort of barely there. I believe uh, Flawless hadn't started either, if I'm uh, remembering correctly. So, yeah, he was supposed to be there, but wasn't. And Flawless, of course, you know, fantastic jungle coming over from the LPL, but hadn't actually started for the team mm-hmm. yet. So, you can understand why it was a problem. Afrika Freaks won. And no one was expecting this. Gen G, they looked like they'd won the offseason. T1 still looked really strong. And they brought Kanner into the top lane as well. I mean, a lot of uh, T1 uh, fans were, you know, a little bit worried about what Roach was going to be able to do up there. But Kanner was this, like, prodigy top lane talent. And they did do well. They were able to take down Gen G in uh, their first round of the playoffs, but then yeah. lost to Sandbox. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the Casper Cup was really surprising. Yeah. Um, Do you think it was surprising in a cool way or surprising in like a scary no. way? Uh, well, for me, it was surprising in a scary way mm-hmm. because I was I was seeing the same exact problems continue to just plague Korean teams. 
And it was very boring for me to continuously keep watching it for two years straight. Yeah. And then I just keep sitting there asking the question, when is someone going to actually put forward change? When is some team or something going to actually differentiate and having like one or two different champion picks um, inside of certain drafts that that's not change inherently. It's also change in gameplay in, in terms of how you're going to play. And I'm not talking about the reckless, just random arbitrary fighting that uh, people who, who are watching can't even tell what they're watching. They're like, Oh, that's the best meta style. Shut up. Um <laughs> It, it, it it's like wh- what was when, that? Can we are, get back to that accent are, just for one second? <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't even know. But um, it's really it's really strange when teams will handshake fights they obviously can't win. It's really bizarre that teams will continue uh, voluntarily drafting losing lanes. It's really weird when teams will put themselves in holes inside of games and then ponder why they couldn't maybe break out of it. Yep. Um, th- there, there's just so much going on. So for me, I, I think that a lot of the rosters are actually very exciting. Whereas like in LCS, we, we mostly just had roster and coaching shuffles. Yep. In LCK, obviously we had it too, but I, I, I'm really excited about Dragon X. Me too. Um, I, I, that was the, what I was most excited about. I thought, uh, I thought T1 had actually done well by getting Cuz. In, inside of the jungle yeah me too and obviously a lot of people think that their their top laner is currently a, a downgrade from what it was before gen g obviously is an exciting roster for a lot of people but watching the watching all the teams play is, is really sad because it, it's a few years now where korea has continuously kept doing the same stuff and obviously this year at worlds they all got knocked out yeah and it's really sad because i'm i'm uh an og starcraft one player or i I almost came to korea for starcraft one i I tried to come here in 2009 for the uh the courage tournament yeah i had wanted to try to live with istro uh the same way that uh idra or greg fields and some other players had ended up living there and um i couldn't because of my age I, i was too young um and then i came out here for for starcraft 2 and just seeing the fall from dominance, I guess, that Korea has yeah. had uh, is really sad because I, I still think that individually they have the best players in the world. Yep. Like in individual standalone mechanics and uh, expectation of what you can assume from the players. And also diligence and practice. Oh, right? yeah. The, the, the Korean solo queue ladder, it, it's incomparable to any other ladder. Um, yeah. in the world once you once you hit a certain threshold and you you hear pro players take uh talk about it all the time and then you also at the same time hear the uh the the uh well i can't say that word but <laughs> you you hear certain people on reddit that that they'll they'll try to be like <laughs> keith got top x that one time in dynamic q and you'll you'll hear about certain pro players hitting challenger and what you know you won't hear about is the the you know the the five dozen pros that are stuck in diamond one with right ideas or you yeah. know it would, something that would never happen yeah. on their own servers so top teams and top players can always perform well regardless of what the dynamics are present inside of the game mm-hmm. the real issue is is that once you get into summer, things get a little bit more serious. Everything starts to tighten up. Champion picks start to tighten up. The way that teams start to play tightens up. Yeah. Um, it gets a little more macro-focused, and then they go to Worlds. And then they're on even footing with a lot of 
teams and players and stuff. And then that's where draft and meta starts to become really important. So great. Congratulations. You played with Brom Tom all year and you, you bashed on, you know, the bottom, the bottom five, the bottom four teams. Congratulations. Great. You made it here. You qualified. And now your pick sucks and you're not actually individually good enough compared to these other players to where this is all that's going to matter. And um, they'll walk out of games and they'll be like, ah, I should have taken this fight different or done that. Can you shut up, please? <laughs> you are literally poisoned from the get go by your draft and by other things. And, and you're allocating blame to things that aren't really that problematic or you're not even identifying the real underlying cause. You, you think that you're spotting the symptoms, but you're not. And then you're falsely diagnosing what is really happening inside of the game. Um and it, it, it's it's really concerning. Yeah. No, no, it is. I think that there's a lack of innovation at the very end of tournaments, but I think it's really, really hard to be like, all right, you need to make sure you save all of these compositions and ideas for when you get to the semifinals at Worlds. You know, because that's, yeah. where, I, that's where I find myself being like, you need to have deep pockets as far as your champion picks and your coach needs to have like these strategies on reserve that they can use as like surprise tactics. But- Knowing when to use those strategies is it's, really, it's hard really hard. Yeah. yeah. And, and the, other, the other thing with, with drafting that I always talk about is drafting is not a small feat. And the reason that drafting isn't a small feat is because it's not a part of League of Legends. Drafting is a concept that comes from trading card games, essentially. Yeah. And so if you look at trading card games, there's usually different formats. There's standard, which is usually like whatever is currently within the meta. And then there's... Oh, wait, um, wait, wait. Mono red? Yeah, so I, I, ma- magic, magic is obviously one of the most popular trading card games, and Magic is a really good parallel to this where Magic has a format called Draft, which is you open up a pack, you pick a card, and then you pass the pack to someone to your left, and then uh, on pack two, you pass it to someone to your right. And you have to draft a deck. And there are players that are insane at Draft and Limited, mm-hmm. and they can also be really insane at Constructed Decks. But there can be players that are insane at constructed, but can't draft. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. It, it's an entirely different skill set to identify what is going on at certain points, and then also recognize what is strong inside of certain fields, what makes it strong, how it's allowed to conduct itself, etc. And so, obviously, in, in league, the problem then stems from well, how much do the players actually know about each other's champions when trying to give input? Yeah. But then on top of that, most coaches are not high MMR. So the, the ability for them to actually entertain what is happening at different stages of the draft is impossible. They, they need to rely on player feedback and they need to rely on players telling them certain things about dynamics and matchups. And mm. then when you get players that might have different inputs on different spots and drafts and different uh, pick orders and whatnot, you end up just getting this really bizarre chocolate mess uh, of, a, of a draft in the end that sometimes teams win draft by chance and then other times they completely fumble it they're really good on r1 r2 r3 or b1 b2 b3 and then they just botch it and go completely off theme on b4 b5 but they don't even know that they're going off theme and it's because if whenever you listen in to the mic checks on on certain leagues you'll hear players say like oh this champion is or okay rexai into jarvan oh rexai is really good into jarvan 
or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, Rek'Sai's really good into Jarvan. How's Rek'Sai with your mid lane champion, your top lane champion, your bot lane? And then also, how's Rek'Sai into Jarvan plus his mid lane plus the top lane at this stage of the game? How many items does Rek'Sai need? Does she function on lower economy than Jarvan? Is it okay for her to be lower economy than Jarvan in this dynamic? What color matchup are we on? These are variables that it's not even going through their mind when, when they're saying these things. And so... We'll, we'll have something like, I, I don't know, B1 Rek'Sai and then R1, R2, AD carry Jarvan, or, well, not Jarvan, or not like that, the invert. Uh, B1 Jarvan and then R1, R2, AD carry Rek'Sai. Yeah. And it's like, that that's not how drafting works. It, well, it doesn't yeah. matter about your isolated matchup. It doesn't matter what you perceive to be strong because of your solo queue experience. This is a different game. You is, would, this, you um, is this sort of a matter of the players having too much control and the coaches needing to have that holistic view like more locked down so that they can be able to veto things like that. Do you think that's um that's where it's sort of missing as far as the dynamic within well, the team? I I don't I I I don't because obviously I I talk to lots of pro players from different regions. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, obviously I, I I do freelance coaching right. So um sometimes I talk to them and there's just uh th- there can be internal conflict inside of teams where certain players will want to play certain champions and others just refuse or they don't want to yeah i think or, that's the that's the hard juggle though i think it, that a coach's job is is more than just like you can be a fantastic player in draft like you were talking about for magic right but whenever you're drafting in magic you're drafting for yourself you're just you yeah, 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 right yeah. whereas a coach's job is not only to know exactly what compositions you want to look for. They also need to understand the competency of their players on specific champions and uh, how much they're going to be able to meld them together. Also being able to say like, look, I've these are the champions that we have locked in here. Yes, this lane matchup is going to be bad, but it's going to make our mid game extremely strong if we have this champion here. So you're just going to have to suffer for a little bit in the earlier stages of the game, stuff like that. Like, I think that there's like, this overarching thing that isn't quite happening yet where a coach can sort of see the pathways that have been opened up by the first few picks in the draft, like get the key players onto their key champion picks, but then make sure that you're fashioning the rest well, of your draft around it. Right. Yeah. So the, the, the thing about getting players on key champion picks is um, sometimes the, 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 the bomb, the bomb pick, yeah. um, something that might be really strong, really good inside of the meta if you show it too early, it has a theme. And so this is why sometimes on the broadcast, yeah. I talk about mono red or I talk about blue white or I talk about control and, and the, these terms that are very common in trading card games or usually magic. Magic has uh, a very deep color pool. It lets you be very specific with uh, describing certain themes between decks and stuff like that. Yeah. And so I really enjoy the parallel um, or, or I use Hearthstone uh, because I used to I used to play Hearthstone. Yeah, aggro um, versus control sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, th- there, there are certain concepts that are just accepted in trading card games and they function. Um, or even in RTSs, you know, StarCraft 1, uh, Defilers, Hive Tech for, for yep. Zerg, or um, the Flash Timing Attack versus Protoss, you know, and it requires you to concede certain aspects of the game in favor of something. Um but in drafts, you'll have teams and they'll do something like they'll, they'll, they'll pick Atrox Rek'Sai very early on. Maybe, maybe it might even be their first two picks. And it's like, okay, well, congratulations. You, you can't split push. You only have one direction these champions can now go. They only have certain items that they can get. 
And there are there will just be certain champions now that no matter what that team wants to do, if they try to gravitate away from it by trying to pick poke and long range, now they've just they've hurt their own Rek'Sai and Atrox. They, yeah. They've made them suffer. And it doesn't matter about the isolated one-on-one. It doesn't matter that Atrox is great as a blind pick. Congratulations, <laughs> dude. There is, we're talking about pro players that can identify and grapple with opponents and figure out a way to go even. It doesn't matter if Atrox gets a 15 CS lead. If come mid-game, the enemy team was then allowed to draft team composition or champions that fundamentally deconstruct the entire archetype that is Atrox Rek'Sai. Yeah. And if you can neuter and neutralize two of the champion picks on the enemy team and force them to try to recalibrate mid-draft, it's already a problem. It's already it's already a hot mess. And you've also put yourself in that mess. You, you put yourself in the mess due to the ignorance of how awful these champions are to show them that early. Yeah. And it's not that the champions themselves are always bad. It's that you can't just show a theme that strong unless the champ is actually broken. And so what you've done is you've basically actively cut out a whole bunch of champions from your possible pool of picks and shown your opponent that these are now our priorities. Do with that what you will. And they've got two extra bands then to look at and they've got a couple of extra picks over the other side. We'll just pinch. Yeah. So um, what I do do want to ask you is what then are the good blind pick champions that can go into multiple so uh different roles you're, you're you're looking for champions that they have different modes yeah and champions that have different modes uh, whenever i've talked about this on stream or i've done draft discussions with pro players I, I i did a lot of them during worlds um some of them even on stream with nemesis who we, we you know I, I joked about earlier with the tom kench joke um you're you're looking for champions that they have different modes and they can fit into different styles. Yeah. So w- when when you're talking about champions like that, you're looking at something like Gragas. Yeah. Right? Gragas was Gragas what I was is, thinking about this whole time, well, actually. You can you can draft him with, you know, AD top, AD mid, AD bot lane, and then Gragas gets to go glass cannon. Yeah. You can also draft Gragas as an off tank AP champion. You can have him go utility with with different items. Gragas can be your engage. Gragas can also be disruption. He can and play your defensively. Disengage. Yeah. He can be your disengage. So Gragas has lots of different modes. He has lots of different play styles, which means that if you show him early, the opponent doesn't know, well, what mode is Gragas really going? So you can't respond to it. There, there, there's not a true response. So Gragas... Uh, opens up this flexibility. Karma. She tanks. She utility. She support. Is she AP carry mid? Is she yep. AP carry bot lane? Is she AP carry top lane? You don't. You don't know. And so, so this you is can't sort of, respond to karma. Yeah. So this is what we're talking about when we're talking about flex picks. It's not only can they go into multiple lanes. Right. It's can they be played in, in multiple ways. Right. In, in multiple ways. And when you have that versatility, well, one, it requires all the players to be able to do it. Can yep. your top laner, mid laner, AD, and support all play karma? If they can, that that champion skyrockets in yeah. terms of in terms of availability because of all these different modes. Now, this is entirely different than if you first pick Atrox. Doesn't matter what you want to try to do. Atrox can't be a tank. Atrox can't split push. Atrox cannot be an off tank bruiser that tries to peel for ADCs. Even if he can, he doesn't do it as well as other champions. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. You're, you're you're cutting him off at the knee, and so. The, the Atrox pick says so many things that that team can't control. He's only going to go in. He's going to have one clear-cut build path. He's going to have one mode of play. And if he deviates from that mode, well, I mean, he didn't deserve to be picked because he yeah. doesn't function 
when he deviates from those roles or those aspects. However, if you've drafted a composition that is going to spike at the right time and has champions that's going to complement this sort of like forced teamfight in the mid-game type style that yeah. Aatrox like flourishes in, then you've drafted really well, right? Like if you're yeah, if actually able late. to get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but if you show him up, up front, then it just becomes a leveling game. Yeah, yeah, of course, that makes it They difficult. just have to match you every step of the way. And because you showed first, you can never win. Yeah. It's sort of like tic-tac-toe. Yeah. A, and, well, the inverse of tic-tac-toe. Whoever goes first can win, but whoever goes second can only draw, right? Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's how, how that is. Yeah, yeah. That, that so game it, was it's sort solved of like relatively the inverse. early, yeah. 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 Uh, so we, we got completely off topic. We now had like a gigantic draft discussion. So you're welcome. If you guys were interested in understanding uh, the nuances of draft and how to do that, if you're an aspiring coach, then yay, there we go. But what we were talking about <laughs> somewhere back there, I think, was the Casper Cup yeah. and the results and things that had happened. Yeah. We did mention that the Afrika Freaks uh, did manage to win. They uh, imported uh, Mystic back into uh into korea into the lck him his wife and his child are over here absolutely adorable story there is an interview with mystic uh, i believe on the internet floating around somewhere that you can watch it is very very cute great to have him back i in fact uh casted mystic's debut in the lpl after he moved over uh from the lck where he was playing on uh Jinair Falcons, I think, yep. I, if my memory serves. And then moved over to the L LPL to play with WE and now has finally come back. Super excited to have him here. He's been uh, playing really well. Keen has been an absolute monster. I think the shining light of the Kesper Cup yeah, was Ke that Keen was on a good team, it felt like. <laughs> like Fly played really well also. Like this was a... And Spirit so, also had a, a pop off. Yeah, I, I, I got, uh, I, I felt really bad at Worlds. Uh, you know, everyone was talking about like elite top laners, and Keen and Summit were just both being left out know, of the so discussion. Sad. And I mean, Keen, they're, they're, they're two of the best in the entire world, and arguably the top two actually in LCK. Even though Nuggery is fantastic, Khan is now left. I mean, I used to have the 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 phrase or the term the elite four. Yeah. Um, and then every top laner that would then get tested would be measured by how did you compare against them yep um and so now it's like the elite three it is a bit sad i think rascal's making a making an argument for himself uh, especially on uh dragon x before they had their falling out at the end of summer um i think rascal was really rising to the occasion i think he's going to be a, uh, a player worth looking out for currently on gen mm -hmm. g of course uh alongside their super team that has been put together ruler another player yeah. that uh we really wanted to have a team built around him and now has those resources for himself so gen g is going to be exciting they were unfortunately knocked out by <clears throat> t1 mm -hmm. uh, in the first round of the playoffs at kesper cup so we're yet to sort of see that that fire um from gen g but their first few games were definitely impressive uh in the kesper cup and uh that brings us to t1 not a massive amount of change, but losing Clid, is it enough? Like, everyone was terrified when Clid I, went to Gen G. I think I was the only person saying that... You and I, me both, dude. I think Cuz like is really Cuz, good. Yeah, I, I actually... I, I would prefer Cuz. Do you know why? I want to go back to our draft conversation just for a bit. <laughs> it's because he was the best Gragas. He was the best Gragas no, player in the why. LCK. So, he doesn't have to be a sinner, you know? He can, he can first pick that Gragas. Well... I, I, I actually I, I'm a, I, I would uh, personally prefer Cuz over Clid. Not that Clid That's is bad, cool, but I think that there, there's different qualities that Cuz has, and also just from watching like pro views and stuff. Obviously, I have different metrics 
for e evaluating players than just simply results. Yeah, Result, yeah. Results don't equate to skill. They equal worth. Yeah, yeah. So um, not that, you know, Clit is any bad, but there were, there were so many people that were like bashing on Cuz that he's some sort of massive downgrade. And it's like, no, you don't, you don't even know what you're looking at. There are some you, people you, that like find it really, really difficult to step away from first impressions. It's and Cuz, really when he was like this guy debuting, he royal roaded in the LCK on, uh, on Longju when he first started. Uh, then he was sitting behind Peanut for a long yeah. time and was sort of in the shadows. And I felt like there was a moment where Cuz was playing better than Peanut but wasn't actually being put in because they, they couldn't afford to lose the brand value or something like that happened there. But there was arguments for Cuz a lot. And this guy was like this solo queue prodigy. The reason Cuz and Clid both. Yeah, yeah. Both they were basically rivals. In it's very similar to what Pyoshik is now, the current Dragon X jungler. Like, I feel like Pyoshik is the next line of Cuz. You know, we yep. had Dread last year and uh, now we've got Pyoshik in to try and curb his solo queue mentality and make it into you know the the jungle mm -hmm. that you want in pro play that still holds on yeah. to that killer instinct um i think he's going to be exciting to watch but i think cuz originating from that and now developing into the player that he is now really means that uh that t1 are in a good position the rest of the map of course uh bottom side is uh still the same yeah teddy's fantastic effort is really really good yeah and fake is pretty good too yeah so i the, my, my only worry uh, about T1 is e even even before I, I had returned to casting, it, it's not even just T1. It's all elite teams. Drafting plagues them. The thing that I love, the thing that I love is that this is also going to be translated. So there might be a case <laughs> yeah. where, you know, Kim Jong-soo, the, the coach now for T1 is going to well, be wa I, I watching dinner. and he's like, oh, <laughs> drafting is important now? I had, wow. I had dinner with, um, with Gary the uh the, new, oh, yeah, yeah. the western analyst i mean we we had this very very talk so i mean hopefully the information is now I, i'm not i'm not there. i'm not saying anything that i'm saying to try to be malicious or, or mean or anything like that i i want korea no, no, to no, win no, yeah, yeah. i mean i i'm i'm literally the person I, I put them at the top of groups every year i know what the solo queue is like i've lived here for 10 years i mean you're like the disappointed father that wants to be proud. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I was are. I was uh, 12 and 13 years old, you know, setting uh, alarm clocks to watch OGN in StarCraft 1. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I've turned down, I, I, I have turned down offers to go to EU and NA and stuff to stay in Korea, cast LCK, and um, Korea is like my home. So maybe some people misconstrue stuff that I'm staying as like negative or I'm just being an asshole, but like, I'm just sometimes, really fed up. Yeah, and sometimes <laughs> just, the tough I love can't. is what we need, you know? Oh, man. It, 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 it's always shocked me when top teams with such elite players handicap themselves so yeah. much. And the reason probably stems from, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And because they're so much better than their opponents, they can win with basically yeah. anything. The same way that players in any esports can basically do whatever you want and still win if you're better. It doesn't make it right. doesn't make it okay. And if you're going to turn a blind eye to glaring weaknesses and obvious problems, then you're going to get complacent. And then every single time when you make it to world stage or international competition, there's going to be problems. And um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm really hoping that the elite teams in LCK this year figure out some way to draft, but I'm going to hold my breath because drafting isn't just something that you decide to understand. Yeah, that's true. And also, I think there's there's a lot to do with like which players you're going to be fielding as well. I mean, uh, 
everyone's been watching the LEC with Caps now switching with perks again to be on the bottom side of the map. Yeah. And like, I believe it was debut game. He didn't die and got a hundred percent kill contribution on center. Like it was an a absolutely beautiful yeah. performance, just showing that I think we now need to have only three roles in League of Legends. You've got like carry, jungle, and support. Yeah, and then like actually everything else is irrelevant because it looks like you can put almost anything on the bottom right. side of the map, anything in the mid lane, anything top side. Like especially with all the veins running around top, Lucian up there as well. Like you've got Lucian like was bugged. Oh, he's been bugged. Yeah, his passive was uh, critting every time <laughs> that ain't great so that's probably been artificially uh, affecting maybe his win rate but also how comfortable people feel on it also you know, it might have been Orn, something Orn's that the lck player the lck players were all aware yeah. of and that's why it was getting banned every single game in uh the kespa cup i mean well that that's a different story yeah well, let's not go that there. was that was okay. perplexing that was a thing that happened that and really uh is, yeah. we still really couldn't uh couldn't explain it but it might have been the uh accidental crit scenario um, the, the thing that I do want to talk about in relation to the LCK though, uh, going off the caps and perks point is that quad is now going to be subbing in, uh, for dragon X. This is due to Doran having a ban in their first game, Yes, but I think it's something that's really exciting because what this is going to mean is that either Chovy or quad, both mid laners, both are, Cassiopeia one tricks, both Cassiopeia one tricks, but Chovy of course has deviated. From mm -hmm. that lifestyle, Casio pretty damn busted at the moment, though. So you can imagine one of them's going to be playing it. Uh, also, they're on a team with Deft, and Deft was probably one of our best Eddie Carry Casio players. Deft when, is uh, just, he's, he's just one good of the best in the world. Yeah, yeah, he's just good at the game. So that's going to be the triple flex of the Snake Lady all of a sudden yeah. on Dragon X. But what I want to see is more of this: find your player that's in form and just put him in. Like if he's a carry player, if he's in a solo lane or in the 80 carry position or in the marksman position or mm -hmm. in the bottom lane being an awesome dude, as we like to say it in, uh, in the LCK, like just put them in and allow yeah. them to perform. And that way you're not only allowing to utilize, you know, the, the player that's like feeling hot this week, but you're also able to confuse the heck out of your opponent. Like, have they scouted everyone? Have they scouted right. everyone in every role? Like, I think adding these levels of surprise is what the LCK needs to do because I think you're right when it's you're talking about complacency and things like that. In the LCK, it's especially prevalent because knowing that you're just better players means that you want to even out the playing field as far as every other metric as much as possible. And that's what leads to all of these really safe compositions because as soon as you can have a comp that can just function in any sort of scenario then you're going to be able to use yeah. your just larger player skill in order to win. But the problem is, is if your opponent then really hard commits and manages to get all the pieces for a very specific composition, they're going to have an added advantage yeah, in the draft comps. if that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that, 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 that's one of the things that uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, LCK kicks off next week. Yep. So... We'll see what ends up happening there. If I if I see people pairing Elise with Gangplank and other scaling champions, I'm gonna I'm gonna lose my stuff on broadcast. Mm -hmm. um, Looking forward to it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we'll, we'll be there for it. Mm -hmm. um, it. You know, seeing like priority on like Atrox always makes me you know die a little bit inside. I know um, because he he's a champion that you you they think that you can blind pick it because he is safe in isolated laning phase, and then the mid game hits and. Uh, there's a lot of ways to make Atrox feel very homeless and yeah. uh, teams aren't looking for it. So um, the trading card game parallels are really interesting. Um, so obviously we'll probably talk about it more in this podcast as well as just stuff in the future. Um, 
I mean, I'm going to we'll make also, my own we'll, content on drafting yep. that people can check out. So, And let, let's hopefully, fun. let's hope that everyone checks it out. You know, everyone in the LCK. Uh, it it doesn't the, matter. The staff of Although all of the teams. Although we are getting Warren. Warren's starting to get very high priority. Yeah, he's massive priority. He's, it, well, I mean, he should have been massive priority at Worlds. I mean, he can go mid top jungle and support. Yeah. In his current state. Mm -hmm. Now, how many roles he'll actually end up in, I don't know. I just, I just really like the flexibility of one at the moment. Yes, and he has different modes. Yeah. And he has his Orn items, mm -hmm. aka the ornaments. That's what we're going to be calling <laughs> oh, them. Oh, ornaments is good. Ornaments is good. Oh, man. You know, you got to decorate your team comp. Oh, that's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. So, uh, Orn, Orn, I hope, has a lot of priority. Orn jungle is actually insane. He's the best tank jungler in the game because of his passive. Yeah. So, he doesn't need Aftershock, which means he can take Spellbook. He clears almost as fast as Karthus and other super fast clear junglers. Like Shivana and scales stuff. insane. And he can run away from basically everyone. So, And he also scales the rest of his team. Also, which he never is needs really to recall. Cool. So like yeah. Honeyfruits become like pseudo objectives for him, basically. <laughs> where he never needs to recall. So he's always a living ward. And then his dueling potential is actually not that bad. But then his level six ganks are insane. Yep. Scale's insane. And all that it requires is that the laners understand, okay, I have an orange jungle. I got to play and manipulate my lane to be a little bit different. And then the trade-off is, hey, Orn, can you give us, can can you give the team 10,000 gold eventually? And then can you have an insane like, yeah, engage? Bro. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, bro. Yeah, I can I can hook you all up. Insane engage, but also insane disengage. Like you yeah, can use Orn the Orn horn for like so many right, different so, things. Well, I mean, we know that the LCK team, like Antara's back, man. The on one trick is back in the league. You know, we're there. Sword's still here. We've got our on players. We are ready to go. Um, I do want to end uh, end this discussion on our predictions for sort of like, let's just go with top five. Your top five predictions for the best teams in the LCK going into the spring season. So based on their current form, as you see it, moving out of Casper Cup and now into the spring season. Go. So I think uh, not in any order. Mm -hmm. uh, Dragon X mm -hmm. T1 Gen G mm -hmm. Afrika and starts with D yeah so it's either it, well actually it's, uh, yeah, it's either Die 1 or Sandbox mm. yeah. oh really yeah I actually I can't I can't so, uh, I can't put Sandbox above one. Yes, yeah, they were I, able to beat either. T1, they, they but I still summit. just can't do it. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. have Summit. That's And also Damwon got crushed by Dragon X that then got crushed by a freak I don't freaks. think there's any other team that has such an elite player. Um What do you mean? Like as a standalone. Like Summit is Yeah. Summit is sandbox. He is. Pretty much. So I mean Gorilla's back. Everyone Gorilla, loves Gorilla. Yeah, but Summit Summit's Summit he's, Summit. He's a different tier. Yeah. Yeah. And he also does kind of like, I feel like there have been some really good performances from players like Dove and Onfleek as well on Sandbox, but yeah. they just get overshadowed by how good yeah. Summit <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really, really a mountain. Sad. Which, guys, is only going to serve to show you just how good Keen is because Keen's better than Summit. Keen has been in Summit's position in, in, different in multiple yeah. times, right? And Keen, like, does, like you say, have those multiple modes, right? He can be hyper-aggressive. Yep, yep. He can play to facilitate. He can play the tanks. He can play the carries. He can split push. He can team fight. Like, he just has it all, but yep. does it all really, really well. Whereas I feel like Summit, his go-in mode 
is just extraordinarily Summit, good. Summit, I, I remember last summer, I, I called Summit the scariest uh, zero four Jace that LCK can have. <laughs> you know, like, no, but he didn't have the zero two power spike. That was Nogri. No, Nogri was the man with the zero two Jace power he's spike. He's one of those players that um, even when he's behind, uh, he's still impactful. Yeah. It, it's still troublesome. And also, if he's on a champion that is unable to be impactful, if he's not ahead, he finds ways to get himself yeah. gold yeah. and finds ways to get himself back into the game, which is, you know, that mindset that you really need if you are going to win. So mm-hmm. really excited to see what he's going to do. I think if uh, so, I'm going to take your five because they're the same top five that I had. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and put them in some sort of order. OK, um, actually. Well, OK. My top one is Dragon X. Oh, sh- yeah. Damn. You, but you go ahead. Well, my top one is actually Afrika. I'm a slave to the Kespa. <laughs> and I'm also a slave to... I, I'm, a, I'm a huge Mystic fan and I love Kane. So, I'm I'm actually happy to put Afrika up top. They also did win Kespa Cup. So, I guess objectively they're the best team in the uh, in career at the moment. Sort of. A little bit. I don't, I don't think that's how that works. Always. Yeah, it's probably not. Um, but I wouldn't, put, I wouldn't put Dragon X up there. Like... I think that like Gen G is probably still close to second. Gen G and T one are a little bit interchangeable. This is why you're a play by play. Yeah, well, <laughs> <I'm> probably. <kidding. laughs> but I think it's actually hard because I think you're right. I think the top four. I think there are now like an elite four in the LCK, which is uh, yeah. Gen G, T one, Dragon X, and Afrika. They're all just very very As strong. It currently stands, which is so yeah. surprising because uh, Damwon didn't really have anything go on. Nope, they lost Coach Kim and uh, replaced him with. Zephyr, I believe. Don Juan there will, was a lot will, of shuffling of coaches. Don Juan, yeah, Don, Don Juan will live and die by uh, top and mid. Yeah, that, that that's just how it's going to be. I mean, everyone wanted the uh, the substitution of nuclear for someone, you know, be it Viper or anyone, but that didn't yeah, happen. In, yeah, in the, in the West, that was the yeah. E- even though. Um, a lot of people will say that they, they did well at Worlds, the bot lane. Yeah. But, I mean, mo- most people look at that team and they're like, okay, well, what is what is mid and top going to do this game? Yeah, and exactly. That, that's how they're going to evaluate. And that was still how they played at Worlds anyway. Yeah. And they slaughtered the planes by Nogger and Showmaker just making highlight reels, which was exciting. And we'll see whether they can do that. I mean, I think that deriving too much from Casper Cup is a little bit naive. I like making naive predictions personally, mm-hmm. but I could understand why a thinking man would uh, go outside of that in order to get things done. But I think that a freak of freaks, despite the fact that, you know, it is naive to put too much on Casper Cup, they still looked like a team that was cohesive and Spirit is in crazy form at the moment. He looked brilliant even compared to Dread, who was a very highly skilled player, yeah. but did get rattled relatively easily. Like, Spirit, it's impossible to rattle him. And he's now back with his brother from WE uh, in Mystic, which is, uh, which is really, really cool. Ben there as well. I mean, we've got 60% of the team could potentially <laughs> mm-hmm. be uh, WE from a few years ago if they want to. Never at the same time, of course, because in China, you can only have two Koreans on the team and mm-hmm. having <laughs> Spirit, uh, Mystic and Ben all be Korean, uh, that would have been impossible. However, you know, at some points in time, those three players yeah. were WE players and... That was a team that a lot of people were excited about. I mean, they won the LPL uh, like a couple of years ago. Like that was a team that was very consistent. It looked a little bit different. They mm-hmm. had a GA in the mid lane and things like that. But now Afrika with a fly that's looking good and Kane up on the top side being a monster. Like there are arguments for this squad to be one of the, the top teams yeah. in the LCK. And I'm looking forward to seeing 
what they can do and uh, what the, all the other teams can do in response. And like, are we going to get Kana on the top side of the map for T1? Are we yeah, going that's... to get uh, Roach to come back? Like, is Kuz going to ri- rise to the occasion or is he going to fall under the pressure? Like, I think T1 comes with like this badge of honor, but it's really heavy for mm-hmm. these players, right? Like you're under constant scrutiny, but as soon as you do, do something good, like you are the godsend to the world. So yeah. having that rubber band, is that going to be something that uh, Kaz can hold on to? Because we know that he can suffer from these sort of things and has done in the past. So mm-hmm. if he rises to it, I think he's going to be incredible. If he doesn't, it's going to be uh, a little bit upsetting, especially yeah. for those of us that were such Kaz fans when he was dominating uh, especially in Rift Rivals uh, for Dragon X, mm-hmm. like they were just so good in that tournament. Even though yeah. you know not a lot of people put a lot of stock into it, I just felt like that was the international tournament, if you can call it that. That our Dragon X just slaughtered beyond all recognition in comparison to the international performances for the last couple of years, as that was happening for Korea. You yeah. know, I was so ready, and then it just didn't happen. <sighs> Unfortunate. But anyway, I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, Dragon X can do now, uh, especially with uh, Quad making his way into the roster. So that team's going to be fun as well. Yeah. So that is just about going to do it, guys. We have waffled for an incredibly long time. Thank you so much for listening, for watching. Um, no matter how you have been absorbing this information, we appreciate it. Of course, if you want to listen to the podcast, is available at all regular podcast acquisition zones. Um, such as, you know, iTunes and, and whatever. Also on YouTube on uh, the LCK Global channel. We really appreciate you guys watching and uh, we'll try and get a Twitter together. We'll try and get somewhere for your feedback. But for now, you can send feedback into the comments below or mm-hmm. also you can tweet at us, whatever you would like. Um, so thanks for watching and uh, we will see you next time for the Pog State. Ciao.